Just like that, the second hour is here of the Monday edition. Hot by with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Chad, so much to react to so much. from the weekend. Tons. And we love when we get the chance to do it as we kick off the hour with Coach Lou Holtz, who joins us yet again. Coach, uh, always appreciate the time. Hope you're doing well. Uh, better than I deserve, I guess. I'm going to be 87 in a month, so I'm still on the right side of the grass. So I feel fortunate to be on your show. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, we got Coach Lou Holtz with us. Ohio State, Michigan coming up this weekend. We've been overhyping this matchup the past couple of years because of the physical dominance that Michigan has shown, especially in these second halves. Have you seen enough from Ohio State, Coach, to make you think they can match up with the physicality of the Michigan Wolverines in 2023? Yes, I do. I think that defensively, it's one of the best defenses I've seen Ohio State have in the past several years. I think they're very good on defense, very physical. I don't think Michigan will dominate them on the offensive line like they have in previous years. So I think it'll be a heck of a game. I'm looking forward to it with all the other fanfare that's gone on with it. Uh, Hard ball not being on the sideline. Michigan cheating. It goes on and on. How much of a blow is it to Michigan, Coach, to not have their head coach, Jim Harbaugh, on the sideline for this game? I don't think it bothers them when they call plays because he doesn't call the plays anyway. Offense coordinator, defense coordinator. But he is the leader of the football team. They look forward to him. He's a great competitor. And that competitiveness comes through on the sideline, even though he's not actively involved. So, But the fact is that uh, they are going to have him. They got to find a way to win without him. I think they possibly could, but I think Ohio State has a better chance this year than they have for the last couple of years because of their defense. There's pressure galore this time of year for coaches and staffs. What's Ryan Day feeling about needing to win this game, especially with Harbaugh not on the sideline for game day? Well, he's been at Ohio State for I don't know four or five years. He's come close. <clears throat> he hadn't really won. The national championship, although he came close against Georgia two years ago. So I, I think the fact that they've lost to Michigan for the last two years, Ohio State and Michigan, rivalry is so intense. I happened to be at Ohio State when we played Michigan for the right to go play for the national championship. And we scored late in the game and Woody went for two. We made it. We beat him 50 to 14. They said, why'd you go for two? He said, they wouldn't let me go for three. You've got to understand the hatred between Michigan and Ohio State is for real. And Dr. Philip Shriver was a professor I had at Kent State. Armando at Kent State, we can't read, we can't write, but we are Kent State. But one of the great classes I ever had was Philip Shriver. And he went on to say Ohio and Michigan are two of the few states ever actually call out the militia, went to war, blood was shed. He said, now, it was all over a boundary dispute of Toledo. He said, now, history doesn't record who won the war, but we have to assume Michigan did because I can't believe we fought to keep Toledo. So it's just a great <laughs> rivalry, the intenseness of it. I can still remember <clears throat> following the snowball, I think, 47, where there were 18. But I followed Ohio State, Michigan, because I was raised in the state of Ohio. Well, and it's, it's uh, amazing, too, the, the history there. You had mentioned Georgia in there, a couple of close calls against Ohio State. 
And I'm watching them over the weekend and throughout this season as they get better and better, Coach. And here they are going for three straight national championships. And I somehow feel like it's almost underappreciated, the dominance that they've had in recent seasons. What do you think when you watch this Georgia team? I think this might be the best Georgia team they had. I thought after they lost Stenson, Ben at their quarterback, that they might have a little bit of a drop-off. They lost their offensive coordinator who went with the Baltimore Ravens. But uh, they, they've really been an excellent football team. And, and I think that they, they talk about, well, they haven't played anybody. Hey, they're in the SEC. You're in the SEC. You're going to have a difficult schedule. Now, I will say this. The Missouri played them very, very well. But that's the only team that's really given them any reason to take a shower after the game. I mean, but I think beware of Alabama. You know, Alabama doesn't like being second place and everybody talking about Georgia, nobody talking about Alabama. And I think the way the quarterback from Alabama has come along gives them a chance. If Bama beats Georgia for the SEC championship game in Atlanta, is the SEC getting two teams in the playoff? I think it's possibly they could, but so much of it depends. What's going to happen to Florida State with the injury they've had? What's going to happen with Washington and Oregon? Are they going to play in the championship game? I think Oregon's really a little bit better than Washington. Uh, you just have to look at it. Who, who knows? But I do believe this, and I've said this for several years. They made a mistake where they only have four teams, and they won't change it. We have 130 teams in the division. Basketball used to have 16 in it. And then all of a sudden, they've gone where almost everybody now gets into the tournament. But I think we should go to a minimum of eight. And then you take the five conference champions, which you have uh, right there. So that if you win your conference, you're going to be in the championship race. If you don't win it, you don't have a, a complaint. Then you take a good independent, maybe a Notre Dame, maybe a Liberty or somebody. And then you take two other teams that would be very, very qualified. You could say, Okay, we're going to see the top four teams. They aren't going to have to play in the first round. If that's what you want to do, that's okay. I don't like that. I think everybody should have to play the same amount of games. But it's ridiculous for us to limit it to four teams. And now we have a reason today. You can justify why you pick the four teams. You can pick any four teams. You can justify it. Well, you can't justify why I didn't pick this team or that team. What about Oregon? I think Oregon's playing as well as anybody right now. Bo Nix having a tremendous year, but uh, they they brought it on themselves when they limited it to four teams. And I tried to tell them, but like my wife, they don't listen. (laughs) (laughs) Coach Lou Holtz with us here on Hot Mike. Coach, as a longtime head coach in college, I feel like you probably are bothered by this story also, but media reports got out last week that Chip Kelly at UCLA was going to be fired the day after the USAC game if his team lost, but he was still going to get fired at the end of the season regardless, even if they won the game. Well, UCLA wins easily a big rivalry game. Chip Kelly's still the head coach. UCLA has said nothing. Got to be frustrating for coaches when they get stories like that that are out there. It is. And what you have to learn to do, you have to learn to, Put that out of your mind. Worry about your football team playing, et cetera. Uh, I, I don't understand why they're getting rid of me. They did beat USC. He's brought his team back. They played very, very well. They're much better than they were when he inherited. He's a very good football coach, I'm sure. But I just think it's unfair 
for all the speculation, et cetera, on it. Now, if he had five years ago to contract at $10 million a year to go buy a bus, that's my hero. I'm going to put his picture above my bed for inspiration. <laughs> I'd be to be like the coach at A&M and get a $75 million bayout. But the most I made at Notre Dame was $115,000. And when I left, I got nothing. I, the matter of fact, they took me off the insurance the next week. I said, please, keep me up for at least a month so I can get my own insurance. There was no buyout. There was nothing else. And, and when you do something good for a school, they ought to really look out for you. I, I really believe that. I think it's unfair to Chip Kelly. Now, if they want to replace them, that's their option. But you better make sure you have somebody better than Chip Kelly you're going to hire. Well, on the flip side of that, Coach, a school you're familiar with, you were once the head coach of at Arkansas, the reverse of that story. There's a lot of speculation about Sam Pittman being out at the end of the year, and they released a statement saying, hey, our team was excited when we told them that Sam Pittman's not going anywhere and he's going to remain the head coach here at Arkansas. That's a completely different way of handling things from the administration standpoint. And Arkansas sure is. They have a different administration when I had. Uh, they're going to end up 4-8 uh, and eight if they lose this week to uh, – Missouri, yeah. when we, we we end up with a winning record and everybody's upset, you know, oh, what do you mean? We're eight and three. You know, that's terrible for Arkansas. But that was then, and Frank Burroughs was the athletic director. I was let go because we had the second best one-loss record in the history of the Southwest Conference. But somebody else has to make that choice. I think Arkansas made a very good choice to keep Sam Pittman. But here's a problem with coaches have today that I was fortunate enough to be blessed. I went to William and Mary. And as I said so many times, we had more Marys than we had Williams. But I had to learn every <laughs> single position. I had to learn offense, defense, defensive line. You had to because you only had like five coaches and you may have to spend a step in and coach someone. But it was a great thing. Because if you can't coach every single position on that football team, you do not know when a coach is being efficient or not. Now, what happens today, so many coaches are defensive coordinators, then they become head coach. They understand the defensive side, but they don't understand the offensive side, and they don't bother to learn it. And, and consequently, when that offensive coach doesn't do a good job, you really don't know, and, and you're really in charge of your entire team till you control both faces of the game. I think Lincoln, Lincoln Riley, it it. Southern Cal is a prime example. I, I say he is a great coach. I saw him when he went to uh, East Carolina's offensive coordinator and did a fantastic job. And then he ended up in Oklahoma. And I remember Houston Nutt called me, asked me for a recommendation on offense coordinator. I said, Lincoln Riley, the guy's tremendous. But his defenses have been terrible and they don't get any better. And you say, well, we'll go hire somebody. But as head coach of the offense, you have to be able to control the defense also. What I wanted on my desk on Sunday morning from the defensive coach, how many Mr. Simons, how many Mr. Hackles, how many times do we not keep our play side arm leg free? How many times do we not contain the quarterback? How many times do we not drop in the property? These are basic questions. doesn't matter what defense you run as long as you execute the fundamentals. So that way you control both phases of the game there are too many coaches that do not do that today. Coach, who's going to win the Heisman Trophy this year? Who should? I, I, I think my vote would go to Bo Nix. I mean, 
Uh, he transferred from Auburn. I was not impressed with him in Auburn. He came here as a highly heralded quarterback, but boy, Oregon's done a tremendous job with him. I, let's see, I, I think he's thrown 35 touchdowns and two interceptions. I mean, that's hard to do, even if the defense goes in at halftime and you're still out on the field. I mean, 35 touchdowns, two interceptions, done a tremendous job. I think Oregon's an excellent team. I think it's a shame if Oregon, Oregon is not one of the top four teams in the playoffs. Coach Lou Holtz uh, with us. Um, James Madison, they lose They lose out on the perfect season this weekend playing Appalachian State. Um, but they weren't going to be able to head to a bowl game anyway. They couldn't win the Sunbelt Conference even though they're playing an FBS schedule all but one game. And they were dominant last year, dominant again this year. They were in line for a New Year's Six Bowl and had this been next year, they were in line to be a member of the college football playoff as the lowest or the highest ranked team of the non-Power 5 schools. The fact that the NCAA won't let them through with the appeal, not just last year, but also this year, what are they doing? Aren't we focused on the wrong things here if, if we're looking at the governing body of these college programs across the country? If you're as old as I am, there are an awful lot of things the NCAA has <laughs> What in the world were they thinking when they came up with that? I think that once you decide we're going to go to a major college or we're going to play major college football, one of the top 30, 130 teams, that regardless, you don't have to sit out two years or wait. If you're good enough, why do you have to sit out two years? Why do you have to wait to be on probation? Whatever, if you're following the rules of the legislature and you win, then doggone it, your players should be rewarded. Why do you punish the players? It was like when uh, I, I did the Fiesta Bowl when I was working for ESPN, went back to the hotel, had a glass of wine, and Mr. Emmert, the president of the NCAA, and his wife asked if they could join. They said, yeah. He said, you weren't happy with our decision on Florida State or on, uh, uh, yeah, on Penn State. I said, yeah, that wasn't a NCAA violation. That was a criminal case. The one coach is dying. The other coach is in jail for life. And two other people from Penn State are going to go from Penn State to the state pen. You're punishing the players that didn't have a doggone thing to do with them. And you're charging them $60 million, which are going to take away from women's athletics. And that's not right. So there are a lot of things the NCAA decides that I wonder, what in the world were they thinking? Coach, it's a time of year where certain teams that didn't quite meet expectations, motivation could be an issue. I'm sure you've been in a situation where you could felt, feel a team teetering a bit at the end of the year. How do you refocus a group and make sure you're not losing them this time of the season? Well, I think you make a commitment for the entire year. And every time you win a football game, the next game becomes more important than the last one. But I think that you have to get them to understand the commitment they made to each other to play and win as many games as we possibly can. Usually at this time of the year, there are two types of teams. Those that have a chance to accomplish something, you know, make the playoff, go to a bowl game, winning season, and those whose salvation lies in winning somebody else's year. Think of how many teams are five and six going to this week, like Florida, going to Florida State. If Florida State wins, they're going to probably make the playoff. Not only that, they're going to ruin the Florida season because for the third straight year, Florida will have a losing record, and that is doesn't happen very often at the University of Florida. So 
You have to keep your team focused, but your most important of all is a purpose. And you have to look at the situation. I don't believe in building for the future. I always, I think Bear Bryant said it the best. Don't ever prepare your team for the new coach. Don't say we are going to be very good this year, but boy, next year we got them all coming back because you probably won't be there. So the most important thing is look at what in the world gives our reason for our players to play. Underclassmen to get better and so, but it's our year. We owe it to our seniors. We owe it to our seniors. Give them an opportunity to go out with a winning record or whatever else the case may be, with their held head held high. And I just always felt that was very very important, and we emphasized that from the entire year. And we made a commitment at the beginning of the year. We're going to play every game as well as we can, regardless of the score. Whatever happens, whatever our record is. Let's go play the very best we possibly can. We owe that to our fans. We owe it to our teammates, our coaches, and our families. Coach Lou Holtz uh, has been our guest. Uh, speaking of family, happy Thanksgiving to you, Coach. And uh, always appreciate the opportunity to chat and visit with you. Well, thank you so much for having me. You do a great job. And I always enjoy it because you ask thought-provoking questions. I never make any preparation. I just try to speak from my heart. That's why we love having you on anytime. Thank you, Coach. Thank you, Coach. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Same to you. Thank you so much. There's Coach Lou Holtz coming up. Get into the the top discussion and opinion from the college football and NFL weekend. Alphas and Betas straight ahead. I'm out with Hunter Withrow. Across the Outkick Network rolls on. Our thanks to Coach Lou Holtz for joining us. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network rolls on. Sixth and Peabody are located with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, could describe uh, all three of our guests today as alphas. Oh, no doubt about it. Right? Alphas, all of them. That's right. I mean, Bobby Carpenter owns like four different companies, and I mean, he's just consuming pre-workout constantly, getting yeah. after it in the gym still, too. Looks like he's still playing the NFL. Telling everyone this Absolute week, alpha. Uh, happy Thanksgiving, but after... Thursday, we'll be saying Merry Ballsmas. That's with true. Manscaped. Yes, we will. And they do want to say Merry Ballsmas from our friends over at Manscaped. The holidays are approaching, but what have I told you? The celebrations are starting early this year. It turns out the perfect gift does exist. And who else to bring it down your chimney than the leaders in below the waist grooming? Keep calm, Hutton, and let your balls jingle this season with Manscaped's brand new performance package 5.0 Ultra featuring the new Lawnmower 5.0. Watch all your wishes and mistletoe kisses come true. And you can get 20% off right now and free shipping with the code HOTMIKE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code HOTMIKE, Manscaped. Get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. Jingle all the way, Jack. That's right. H-O-T. M-I-C, if you need to spell that out. Merry Balls All together. To you. Merry Ballsmas to you, too. Even have, and look, you said it last week, Hudden. If you decide to, you know, celebrate Christmas early and put the lights up, you know, whenever you want, have at it. I'm not here to criticize you. We can it. say that now, too. Even before Thanksgiving, we can say Merry Christmas to everyone. That's right. It's whenever you want. Alpha move there. Headed over to Manscaped. Alpha and beta of the weekend. We've got a handful of them to compare. We start that this week with the Alphas and Brock Purdy, who is just perfect. For San Francisco. Yet again. It really is unbelievable. The moment you start to doubt the guy and think, okay, here's the seventh-round pick in Brock Purdy. Struggled a little bit at times. Shannon Sharp uh, yelling at people today over that. Yeah, he pulls out a performance like this, right? Uh, And it's just remarkably efficient. 
When you have that roster, too, and that offense, it, this is what you need, right? Is a guy that is machine-like in his distribution of the football and seemingly always makes the right decision. That's Brock Purdy time and time well, again. Chad, that's the, I think that's the key with Shanahan's offense, and everyone's always like, oh, you can just you know plug and play. And that very well may be true by and large. Uh, but there are those that can decipher and make the right read, and maybe more importantly, in many cases, keep you out of a bad play instead of making the big splash play. And he's got enough weapons around him where as long as you stay out of the bad play, you're fine. Because there's so many, so many talented players for San Fran that can make a bad play even look pretty good and bail you out. And then on top of that, you've got the defense that's going to get the ball back for you. But Purdy, I mean, there's, there's no denying that he is really good in that system. And he's a good yeah. quarterback. No one's calling him elite. But the, I mean, the, the role he's on yesterday uh, against Tampa, props. He leads off our alphas and betas of the weekend with the alpha moves. Yeah, and he it feels like a guy that's not just – I think he can only have this much success maybe with a team like San Francisco, but this is no flash-in-the-pan short-term thing. He, he's a career-starting quarterback in the that's NFL. Right. I don't know that he's elite he's making with, other, with other teams, too. right? You know, I don't know he's going to go in and transform a team if their offense a little bit lacking. He's perfect for San Francisco right now. Yeah. And he's going to be perfect in certain situations for other teams moving forward in his career. He is no one-hit wonder. He's – He's a legitimate pro. Well, the other thing, I mean, he's not eligible for a contract extension until after next season. Yeah. So, I mean, you get a perfect passer rating. Uh, he's the first for any 49ers quarterback to put that up since 1989 in Joe Montana. Just to Crazy. put that in perspective. Uh, props to Purdy, who weathered that three-game stretch and storm. There could be another one. But weathered that, Shanahan was even asked about making a quarterback change. He's like, I'm not even considering that as we go into the bye week. Purdy's our guy. Good. They're, they're right up there with the top of the, the, the class of the NFL at 7-3. and three. We'll get to our beta soon, but there's the reverse of that that happened with a coach stubbornly oh. saying, this is my guy. This is our guy. This is our guy. He's doing a great job. When everyone saw that the opposite was true. Chad, the, the, the medal involved with what Washington has done throughout this season, I compared them to TCU – I don't know if you go all the way with that, but I, I just the survive and advance mentality, you know, yeah. season on the brink, you know, you've got to stay perfect for a chance at the college football playoff. They're going into a week uh, where many felt like Oregon state's going to win that game at home over Washington the elements were that what they were. I, I felt like during, they had the a couple of players mic'd up prior to the game for Washington. And I forget which wide receiver it was, but he's going around mic'd up during warmups in terrible conditions pumped about it I can't wait to block tonight kind of thing you don't hear that no uh, across college football and he's telling me hey, this these are our conditions let's make the most of it and while Oregon State had a chance to go win that game Washington just finds ways to win I love that even when Penix isn't playing his best I love the fact that they can find ways to beat another team and they'll continue to have these chances moving forward. Also, props that they're going to continue the Apple Cup through 2028. At yeah, least. I, I love that. Um, two schools getting together saying, hey, this is important to both fan bases, both alumni bases. We're not going to let a petty thing like us leaving and the conference being blown up and you left here with Oregon State stop us from playing each other every year, which I appreciate uh, that they put all that aside and they're going to play it every year. Washington's different. Th they're, they're a special group. 
We see it every year with certain teams, and it's a very limited number of teams. It was TCU a year ago as the perfect example, but some groups in certain seasons are just built different. Yeah. And you can say, well, so many close calls. And, hey, when you find a way in tough situations, in tough circumstances, in tough weather, like we saw, there's a skill to that. That that is an ability. That's not just luck. It does take luck along the way to win very close games repeatedly. There's no doubt about it. There's luck involved in sports all the time. There's also an ability attached to a group getting together in one season and being that team that finds a way to make the play late or plays late to win the game. TCU a year ago, a different purple team this year. The Washington Huskies, one I've enjoyed watching from the start. They've been dominant at times this season, and they've had to escape in the toughest circumstances other times this year. But I think we're going to be looking at a playoff team when all said and done. I don't know how many times we featured Tyreek Hill in the alpha category. It's been a handful of times. Uh, Ten catches, what was it, 150-like yards, dominant. Uh, He he left this game with a hand injury, by the way, uh, in the first half uh, against the Raiders. But, um, again, 10 passes, 11 targets, 146, and a touchdown. You know how we've, in the past, had to retire primary complaints? We may have to. Ty- Tyreek Hill has been so good, and this is a credit to him. We may have to retire him as an, an alpha. You're right. And we may have to put a wall back here of all of our retired, the ring of honor of alphas <laughs> of Hot Mike on the show, and we'll have bust. Much like Lou Holtz puts a, an oil painting of Jimbo Fisher in his bedroom, as he says, because he's now his hero. Um, it, it's, it's right there you know, by his religious paintings of Jimbo Fisher getting that $77 million. Of course, we joke, and he was joking, but we're going to have to put an oil painting of Tyreek Hill up on the wall behind us, Hutton. There will be an oil painting for New Mexico State as we lead off the betas of the weekend, Chad. New Mexico State, uh, not just winning on the road against Auburn, getting paid $1.8 million to go on the road and beat the Auburn Tigers. This Was it a 25-ish point spread? Something, maybe a little bit more than that? 26, I think. It was 20, game, 25 or 26. And this game was never in question. I mentioned earlier, we kept refreshing on the, the app on the phone, looking at the score and thinking it was reversed, and there was a typo with this. Um, Auburn, other than the opening drive or maybe a total for the game, never went more than 20 yards on a possession. What? What's go- I, 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 what happened in this? This is... Well, and there was no there was no sign that this was about to happen, right? Like Auburn had been playing their best basketball and they were lighting teams up offensively. So they were playing great. And then out of nowhere, Hugh Freeze even said post-game, he was asked directly, did you get a sense of a a lack of focus, uh, the mental focus leading up to the game? He admitted that he did. He said, other than the Tuesday practice, which was okay, um, Wednesday, Thursday, they were just kind of out of it. I I don't... I... I (laughs) I will say that um, the response from Hugh Freeze was pretty alpha. In I, that I, agree. I, I think that he took full responsibility and did not just, he didn't mince words. He said, It is my job to make sure we're ready to play over the course of 12 Saturdays. And I failed. This was a top down failure that we, we cannot play that way. That was a joke of what just happened. I'm paraphrasing, but he said all the things you would expect to hear. If someone was being honest with themselves, he wasn't blaming anyone else. He wasn't blaming, right, another uh, uh, no. official. or He was just saying, that this it's my responsibility to make sure we're ready to play. We weren't in this game. So, yeah, I, it was a beta performance from Auburn, but an alpha response from Hugh Freeze to at least man up and own it and say this is unacceptable. 
and, and can't happen. It's one thing to lose a game like this to a New Mexico State on Cupcake Saturday in year one. Those things happen a lot early in a coach's tenure. You can overlook it. It's another thing to get blown out. Right. That's what you don't see is a 21-point home loss that was not close, and you get physically manhandled uh, by New Mexico State. That's bad, bad, bad for Auburn. I guess the only hope for the Tigers are they were completely overlooking New Mexico State, and they're going to give Alabama all they want this week because that's all they're concerned about. But that was an atrocious performance by the Tigers. Yeah, and I've heard a, a couple of friends or Auburn fans like, that can't happen. Well, I mean, n- nothing's going to happen to Hugh Freeze here. Oh, no, no, no. But, and we're and not I, saying it no, should. No, no, no. Uh, but the, the, that is – I do raise an eyebrow to the performance overall, just given the fact that – I mean, it's – okay. are you looking ahead to Bama this year? No. Yeah. You have 11 new starters who haven't – not even – they don't even know the rivalry. Well, and we were just singing Hugh Freeze's praises for all the turnover on that roster and what they've been able to accomplish this year, and they've looked better and better, and then this happens and it almost resets your entire perspective of the season. I'll give you another example. I'm uh, at a hotel bar over the weekend watching Florida and Missouri late, and I'm thinking watching that Florida offense, man, this offense is good. It's well-designed. They're playing well, and they lose on a last-second field goal to Missouri, who was 9-2. and two. Right at the time, or now they're nine and two, and I'm thinking Arkansas close, Missouri close. If you flip those two outcomes for Florida, we're singing an entirely different tune about Billy Napier. Instead, Florida is quite possibly, even likely, going to have a losing season for three straight years, which just does not happen at the University of Florida. Right, a national championship expected program. You don't see that happen that uh, like this. So. Little things like that, how fickle sports can be, especially when you are tasked with playing 12 football games a season and that's it. And how one outcome, one performance, one sloppy first or second half completely changes the outlook of a coach and the trajectory of a program. It's crazy. Also, just consider Florida State uh, paid North Alabama $400,000 to play that game and win. Blowout. Um, It was a uh, a seven-on-seven for Alabama against Chattanooga. They paid uh, UTC... $600,000, $600,000, and New Mexico State leaves with $1.8 million. Check uh, why, upon arrival. Why does the SEC pay so much more money? Is it like, oh, we got to go play in an SEC stadium, so you owe us more? Well, it's not, I mean... Bama didn't pay I get, that, I get that the much. travel from New Mexico State to Auburn is a lot more than North Alabama to Tallahassee. But, not worth two. But Nearly two worth, million. Yeah, worth $1.4 million difference in a payout? I, I, don't, I don't get that. Zach Wilson has been benched uh, as the quarterback for the New York Jets. Robert Sala announcing today that Tim Boyle will be your starter uh, on uh, the upcoming matchup this weekend, uh, which I say weekend, it's actually Black Friday as they take on the Miami Dolphins. Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon's the backup to Boyle. That means Wilson's now the third string. Um, He makes our beta list, Wilson does, because he can't even take the field without falling down. If you haven't seen the video, it's everywhere, but he's looking back at the bench, walking backwards, and just falls out of nowhere, trips over his own feet. That's how I would describe Zach Wilson's uh, encore to what could have been, and he had a chance to say, hey, uh, I'm good enough to play in the NFL. Chad, he's simply not. He's not. He's terrible. Uh, There's no other way around it. The, The guy taking up a spot on a professional football team now has become concerning, quite frankly, not just seeing the field as a starting quarterback, but I'm thinking, who else should have his roster spot? 
that he's currently occupying because if I fell down that way, I coached 8U softball this weekend. If I took the mound and I was looking back and talking to a player coach and collapsed that way, my parents would have mocked me the rest of the weekend. And you know what? Rightfully so. They would have mocked me. Here is a professional athlete and a professional quarterback doing that and then going out there and his entire game looks like him tumbling backwards walking onto the field. It's the reincarnation of that tumble backwards. It is awful. I, I was trying to give the guy the benefit, the benefit of the doubt and say, hey, maybe, just maybe, you know, he can improve and get better from what we saw a year ago. He hasn't gotten a bit better. I don't know if it's no. mental or what's going on, but that guy is lost. And Aaron Rodgers, uh, reports are, could return to practice as early as the first week of December, really the second week of December. Um, they're going to be out of it by then. Uh, the Jets are based oh, yeah. on the loss no yesterday, doubt. but he could still return to practice and prove that he's made this miraculous rehab with the Achilles coming up, Chad. We've got one other example beta of the weekend. You can tell where we're going with this. We're going out West USC Trojans, Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, final collegiate game. Um, and doesn't speak with the media. It's oh, embarrassing. Man. Yeah. And now Lincoln Riley, he's now on the seat with, Chip Kelly from a week ago. Details on on that next. Plus college football overreaction here on Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, you putting up the tree uh, Friday? Is it like already been we determined? We are um, probably doing it Thursday. Going on a little out-of-town trip on Friday. So likely a Thanksgiving day. Okay. This could be a new Thanksgiving Day tradition. Yeah. It's usually a pretty slow day, you know, for... Just watching ball. Yeah, and, and I've, I've got another family member who hosts Thanksgiving, so we go over there 4.30, 4.45 in the afternoon and eat and come home. So during the day, put football on and maybe put up the tree. I like that. 11 divisional matchups this week across the NFL. Four of them are either on Thanksgiving or Black Friday. Scatter. I mean, they... Short weeks for a lot of teams that need to make some moves or just stay where they are. For instance, San Francisco, Seattle. Yeah. It's coming up. Sucks that Jets, Dolphins, the I first know. Black Friday game, couldn't be more impactful. Yeah, Tim Boyle uh, makes the start for – and, and by, hey, I think more people are going to watch I for think, those deals, the specialty deals that Amazon's going to give you to click on the screen mm -hmm. during the commercial breaks than Tim Boyle. I mean, I think, too, like the game will be better <laughs> because Zach Wilson's yeah. not playing. Uh he could give him a spark. Also not playing the USC Trojans. So going into the week, and I, uh, Davey, uh, uh, props to him. He wins wrong team favor this week because UCLA I was wins close. this game. I was so close to, to 24 yeah. big points. And I had Kansas over K-State. We, we, uh, we covered. We just didn't, uh, didn't win outright. Davey did. UCLA's playing for Chip Kelly in that game. But also, this is a USC team that has just flat out mailed it in. And is it awful for me to assume that this is due to the fact that there's just no leadership with that, that locker room? They have the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback and Lincoln Riley. And they get uh, against a UCLA team, just no heart and no energy with that. I, I don't understand how they went from where they were last year to the team that we see now, not just defensively, but just, you know, it, Williams isn't, he's not speaking to the media after the game. That's not the first time that's happened. 
Uh, it's not just that after a loss. I mean, he's, he's talked with the media after the loss. We mentioned that he wanted to get back home and watch Netflix and hold his dog. But what has gone on with Lincoln Riley and the perception of the program he's leading right now? Because it, we mentioned with uh, Dan Mullen last week, why has it not been a fit for Chip Kelly and UCLA? He goes, I, I don't understand that perception because it, it has been. We've seen him win games. We saw him win here. Chad, the, the, the team on the hot seat, it doesn't look like a fit. This USC team doesn't seem like a fit based on what we saw in year one for Lincoln Riley there. Well, Lincoln Riley, I think the whole perception of him has shifted from offensive engineer that is a mastermind on that side of the ball to guy who got lucky to be handed two Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks, talent-wise. That's not a great leader of a program. And that's fair right now when you watch this season. It has been a disaster. I mean, think if I told you Lincoln Riley was going to have a Heisman Trophy winner return to a pretty favorable schedule and go 7-5 and that year, with that quarterback being healthy all season and playing every available snap, it's bad. Leadership starts the top. It's Lincoln Riley's fault, first and foremost. Alex Grinch was the leader of that defense. He failed them miserably. Caleb Williams put up a ton of points throughout the year. Caleb Williams is the leader of that football team. Yes. He obviously did not lead it very well. Results are what they are. He's not a great leader for that team. And you know I know he's not a great leader for that team. There's a lot of red flags. But when you don't go speak to the media post-game after a disappointing loss, hey, I see the talent. We all see it. God bless you if you draft him top five picks in the NFL draft. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm not handing the keys to my franchise to him from what I've seen. There are too many red flags based on his leadership or lack thereof, based on other things we've seen. I don't like it with Caleb Williams. They're just enough to raise my level of concern that unless he drops in the first round, I'm not using a top three or four pick on Caleb Williams in this draft to be my franchise quarterback. Well, not think, doing it. Think about the quarterbacks who have to go out and just take the heat. You know, there's not many, not many in the in the past, uh, just recent seasons of the NFL that just go out and cast blame. Zach Wilson wouldn't cast blame on his offense that he's leading last year, and he was ultimately benched after that New England game. Benched again today, but you you don't. You don't just accept the highs if you're not going to face the music on the lows. And, you know, even Rappaport's even ripping him on social. Dan Dan Mullen, though, just to go back to the coaches, Dan Mullen's tweeting after the game, are we sure that the right coach is on the hot seat? And he's directly asking the question about Lincoln Riley or Chip Kelly. I mean, he's, he's right. Uh, I wouldn't say Lincoln Riley should be on the hot seat per se, but I mean, if you want to look at who's had the better season based on roster and expectation, it's definitely the guy who just won the game head to head. It's Chip Kelly at UCLA. Lincoln Riley has been a disappointment and I love um, Dan Mullen pointing that and Dan Mullen's defending his guy. Yeah. Chip Kelly. That's guy he worked for and, and how he got his start. So he's, he's defending him a little bit as well, but also it's so weird that, that, that report comes out yeah, the, and then yes. it's just silence and then, oh, he wins the game. So does that just give him another week or does that give him 
another season. It, it's odd. Yeah, I mean, it, it's also like I thought going into the weekend, if you're a player on a college campus, you're going into this game and you're already being told if you lose, Kelly's out and he's out anyway. That's the report. It's just a matter of when, not if. That you don't end up actually playing all that hard, right? You don't have the backing of everyone. You're not waiting until the time is right when the season is done. And it was the opposite. Props to UCLA, Beta to Lincoln Riley, and Caleb Williams, and USC. And we're about to run into a final week where you're going to look at a number of situations, and it's all about, to me, so much of it is motivation. Hutton, you mentioned it. They play for Chip Kelly. They play for themselves. They beat their rival. Huge win for UCLA over this USC team. But looking around college football, you're going to see a lot of opportunities this week for teams that have been disappointments that can salvage a season or give themselves something to think about all offseason based on their opponent in this final week. A chance to rectify some things for a lot of teams across college football. The question to me is always, what is the motivation on on both sides? If you're a team that's uh, geared for a mid-level bowl game, do you have motivation to come out and take care of business in the final game of the season and get maybe a slightly better bowl or, you know, just win the game because the game's in front of you? And if you're a team that's had an awful year, are you motivated to get it going one last time and, and make sure after Thanksgiving Day that you have one good bright spot at the end of the year? I, I think there's a lot of intrigue in some of those games. We're going to talk Ohio State-Michigan while we're on air this week. It's a no-brainer. Yeah, that, that is the one. But there are some other ones that – um, I'll give you one example. Kentucky-Louisville. Kentucky's had a pretty disappointing year based on what they wanted to be after a fast start. Well, they can change all that by beating the team that's headed to play for the ACC championship that, oh, by the way, happens to be their biggest rival in the season finale, right? There's right. opportunities like that across the board in college football this week, which makes it fun. It is time for college football overreaction. We welcome in Davey Hudson. Hello, gentlemen. Hope you all are doing fantastic today. I've got some... I guess statements I want to make. I'm actually, I don't really know how you guys are going to come down on these. So it'll be interesting to see where we get with this. But Florida State is not making the college football playoff without Jordan Travis. Chad, this is not an overreaction, even though it should be. It should be. It's not making the playoff. I want to be be very clear. Um, If they win the next two, and anyone in a college football playoff committee interview says they're not going because Jordan Travis is injured, that is a crime against the competitive nature of any sport. I don't care who's available. They won every game on their schedule, and you put them where they finish the season. I don't like projections. I don't think the college football playoff committee should ever be in a projection business. I don't care if their entire defense gets injured in the ACC championship game. If they're undefeated, you put them where they should be based on the results of what's happened during the season. Now, that being said, I think they're going to lose to Florida this okay. week. And I, I'm not making my wrong team favored pick yet, but I don't think a backup quarterback is going to win that game. I think Florida is still playing highly motivated. They want to go to a bowl. I think their backup quarterback that came in for Graham Mertz is way better than Florida State's backup quarterback I think the Gators probably win this game, and that will be the reason, Hutton, that this is not an overreaction, that Florida State will not make the playoffs. It's not an overreaction, Davey. Um, And it's because they will be, even if they win out, they'll be judged based on the value of a player 
and there's no way anyone in that committee on that committee can judge that. Just knowing what we've seen from Ohio State with their third string quarterback, with what we saw from from Cardell Jones. So I I just I would reference that and say if they have the resume, they've built the resume. Let them play in the college football playoff. However, they'll save themselves by having Washington ahead of them tomorrow. And then if Washington wins, if there's chaos, they can get in. If there's not, there's always going to be a team ahead of them. And they could be jumped again. Yeah. And we're down to five undefeated teams. So right. I, I really am intrigued to see what An the college unbeaten football player Power five do. not getting in would be stunning. So... And especially, too, when we know there's going to be that loss between Ohio State and Michigan. Right. But moving right along, guys, Jaden Daniels will win the Heisman. It's an overreaction. Uh, Bo Nix is the current betting favorite, and uh, I am surprised that there's as big of a drop-off between Jaden Daniels to Michael Penix Jr. I think that should be closer in the Vegas odds. But LSU won't play for an SEC title, so he doesn't get a chance in a, on a big stage to, to do more there. They get A&M to close out the season. I would give it to Bo Nix right now. And I'm going a little bit by Vegas on this one. Bo Nix and Lou Daniels likes Bo Nix. have the same odds currently. I'm I've got it at, at plus 20. I'm plus looking at odds right now that's plus 110 and plus 140. I, at, at, this is at BetMGM. I'll say for uh, DraftKings, Jaden Daniels is minus 125 and Bo Nix is plus 150 with Michael Penix Jr. coming in third at plus 600. I, so. I still think it's Michael Penix Jr., I hope it is. I, I do. I, I know he didn't play well this past weekend. Uh, Washington's going to be the story because they're about to be in the college football playoff and jump Florida State, I believe. And I, I would I would have said that even with Jordan Travis winning that game against North Alabama. It's just we continue to be told they're very close. They're very close to Florida State. There's Based on what we're told from the committee, uh, from these meetings, Chad, to me there's no way that they're not in and then they start to be relevant right at the end of the season, and that's when the voters are really watching. It sucks. Yeah. And I, I, I'm continuing to look for Marvin Harrison Jr. too. Guys, Chip Kelly just saved his job by beating USC. No. Why? I'm going to say no too. Why wouldn't you say, like, say that? Like Arkansas comes out and says, well, without anyone reporting anything, that <sighs> Sam Pittman's their coach. There's a report out that everyone's quoting. They are they are the dead silence says everything about this, right? Agreed. UCLA's not responding to it. He's fired. It's just now going to be after their season. Well, and even uh, Chip Kelly is addressed. He's the only one talking about it. You know, it's uh, talking about his dialed-in team and how he's he's not really focused on it because you, it's not an issue. I've never been governed by the fear of what other people say. The lessons that this game has taught me is there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows, and you got to learn and lean into the lows, embrace them, and you've got to go work. I, and also, why would Chip Kelly want to stay now after all this? If your university is not going to come out after that and say, yeah, oh, this is all BS. They didn't do it last week. Team responded, and they still haven't said anything. So, I mean, it clearly bothered him. He wouldn't answer that. He wouldn't say whether or not it bothered him. But if you're Kelly and you can save your job there, why would you want to stay there? I know you're going to the Big Ten. Yeah. But you can, I mean, ride the momentum when you can. He's one that could, based on how things went and how he handles it. And guys, looking at the flip side, Lincoln Riley won't be USC's head coach for 2025. I mean, there's so many mm. factors here. 
I'm going to say overreaction right now just because I think they'll figure it out to some extent next I'm, year. I'm saying I think next he year will, will be. look better uh, than this year because they'll have a better leader than Caleb Williams. Baby, I know that thank sounds you. odd for the defending Heisman Trophy winner. Bruce Feldman with an interesting report about Jim Harbaugh. We'll continue to ask the question if he's going to be the Michigan head coach moving forward. That's next.